perhaps the biggest cause for concern on the Browns offense. Who is the biggest cause of concern on the Cleveland Browns defense? And Garrett Bush and your host, Jeff Lloyd, are going to bring up some of their biggest Cleveland Browns flops in history. All that and more on your latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LLB, the Lockdown Browns podcast, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate all of you make Lockdown Browns your first listen, whether it's your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you're following, subscribe to the Lockdown Browns podcast, five-star ratings, written reviews, also available now on YouTube. Uh, subscribers up to about the 600 number. Let's keep those coming here. Uh, for your hosts, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LG underscore Lloyd at G Bush 91, Mr. G money, Garrett Bush, part of the ultimate Cleveland sports show. And of course the barbershop on 92.3, the fan, uh, as Garrett gave you a here in the opening, um, there's no roster that's ever perfect. And, you know, to go into any training camp, any time of this point of the year in the NFL season, there's questions. Um, some of these may not necessarily be concerns as much as they are questions. Some legitimately could be concerns. Obviously, the Browns took it. Browns took a hit yesterday with Akeem Hicks agreeing to, agreeing to a free agent deal to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a much anticipated player. Fans and alike were hoping the Browns would bring in to secure that room. Um, we're going to talk about that on the offensive side. We're going to talk about it on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to give up uh, some not-so-happy blasts from the past. Garrett may dig back a little deeper. I'm going to go from my time here uh, covering the team since 2017 on. But, Garrett, on the offensive side of the ball, again, nothing is ever perfect. Nothing is scripted to be perfect. You have to understand that's going into the NFL. Offensive side of the ball here, what would maybe be the major question or concern in your opinion? Well, you know, it came down for me to two players. Um, I was first of all looking at Jedrick Wills, but for me, Jedrick Wills, um, you know, I think it was more due to, to him just being injured throughout the year. Um, you know, when I saw the ankle injury against uh, Kansas City, he was really not the same player. Um, and when you're being a left tackle and you're going, you're going against some of the best edge rushers in the game, and you don't have an ankle to kind of pivot off of, to push off of, and, and it keeps getting re-injured. There was a point in time during the season where I thought they should just put him on IR. Um, I'll give him credit. He gutted it out a little bit. But, um, you know, if you, if you ask him, I think he would tell you he had a bit of a down year in regards to what he thought he was able to capable of doing. For me, it's Jack, Jack Conklin. And um, Conklin, not because he can't play, not because, you know, he isn't a, a, a great right tackle. It's the fact that he's been injured, and he's been injured throughout his career. Um, and when you have an uh, injury like like the injury he had, where where you uh, have multiple things going on, on with your knee, kneecap, ligament damage, um, that's kind of hard for a big guy to get back to. You know what I mean? Um, bigger guys, you know, there's more weight involved. Now you're, you're figuring out how, how am I going to get back to what I want to do, um, strengthening that leg back up again. And just being able to to be dominant and firing off the ball are all things um, that you you kind of worry about when you deal with um, linemen. Linemen get in his stance uh, every single play, so that's bending your knee, 
getting that weight on your back haunches. You're, you're, you're firing out. You're explosive every single play. And for other receivers, like receivers, you know, you stand up. Running backs are standing up. Tight ends, um, for the most part, they don't really block that much, but they're standing up. So when you look at the, the pressure that's on his knee and the pressure on what he needs to do, um, I, I think that's a bit of a concern for me. And if the Browns want to get back to get to a point where that running game is solidified, um, just think how great they ran the ball when all five of those guys were up there. No one was hurt. Uh, and, and the Browns became the top offensive rushing team and one, one of the best teams blocking up front. He was he was up right. He was ready to go and he was healthy. I'm interested to see if he's able to come back the same way this year. And with Conklin, there's an interesting thing here. I mean, maybe it's something that doesn't bother him in run blocking. Maybe it's something that bothers him in pass blocking going backwards. I mean, it could be a vice versa type of thing. So something certainly interesting to watch there. For me, there is one interesting scenario with the two players you mentioned between Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin. We're, we don't really necessarily know where we're at with Jedrick Wills for the future. Jack Conklin, it looks like right as of right now, this is the last year of his contract with the Browns. What if Jedrick Wills doesn't take the world on fire next year at left tackle? What if Jack Conklin doesn't play so great? Do you maybe go flip-flop, put Jedrick Wills back at right tackle for next season where he was comfortable, where he was drafted from out of Alabama, and then maybe go find yourself a new left tackle? Something to consider. And the other thing with Conklin is I have a big, I have a good friend who's a huge Tennessee Titans guy. And basically when the Browns signed him, he said, look, he is the anti-JC Treader. JC Treader, when injured, is the same exact player he always was. Problem with Jack Conklin, a little bit more of an athletic guy, the way he's built. So if an offensive lineman, when he's dinged up, you're not getting his best play. And we've seen that fluctuate throughout Jack Conklin's career in Tennessee, certainly in his time here with the Cleveland Browns. For me, and I'm not going to say it's a concern, but it, I mean, well, sure, it, it is definitely a concern. It is Nick Harris. The interior of the Cleveland Browns offensive line the last few years has been outstanding. It may have been one of the best in the NFL. You have now moved on from J.C. Treader. Um, everything you think with putting Nick into this position, look, he took almost every practice snap since he's been here. J.C. Treader doesn't practice. We all know this. We always knew this. It was part of the deal with J.C., but he showed up every Sunday, every Monday night, Sunday night, whatever it was, and balled out. Uh, so for Nick Harris here, he's certainly gotten the experience um, you know, within the system. Um, as this system started, he was you know a draft choice of theirs in the fifth round, took every snap in practice, 99.9% .9 of the snaps um, does have one NFL start at center against the Green Bay Packers. Certainly looked very promising that day last year on Christmas Day. Played a little guard in 2020. Definitely looked overmatched there. But Nick Harris, the Browns have had great center play in the time with J.C. Treader. So moving on from J.C. was going to be difficult regardless because you knew what you had in J.C. Treader. The Browns think Nick Harris is totally capable of doing this job and doing it at a, you know, a, a pretty high level, but it don't matter. None of the, I mean, that's all great. And you know what I'm saying? And you can think everything is going to happen, but there's no way they're going to know until the game is actually played. And, you know, I'm rooting for Nick Harris. Obviously, the Browns saw something in him in two years. They kept seeing something in him as J.C. Treader was able to manipulate this through this injury longer than most people expected. You know, and the reason J.C. Treader still not signed now is it's it's an issue with his injury because what is is what he is worth as opposed to the injury. And you know, for some teams, you know, in a new system, maybe it's difficult to say he's only going to show up on Friday. He'll be ready to go. 
you know, how do you manipulate through that? So for me, Nick Harris, for you guy, uh, for you guys, Garrett Bush, Jack Conklin, we all know what, what's going on at the guard position. We think Jedrick Will's healthy here. We're going to see some flashes here in year three, hopefully, but obviously questions, concerns with the Browns offensive line are going to be Jack Conklin coming off an injury and uh, Nick Harris taking over as the, you know, as basically the understudy now becomes the pro uh, and now becomes the professor here for the Cleveland Browns at the center position. We've got something here from you for you guys from Bill Barr. I think you're all gonna be a little bit excited about this. We're gonna come back, we're gonna flip the script here. We're gonna go to the defensive side of the ball here, see where maybe our biggest concerns may be there. We've been asking. And Built has finally delivered. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? Well, go online and get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These are so different from the Built bars and the Built puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. Uh, but just like the bars and the puffs, these babies are jacked with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They are perfectly healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or just eat as a snack. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to built.com right now to get the built granola bars, three delicious flavors to try again, chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate, coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. You've got to get yours today. Go to built.com to get built granola bars right now. Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Locked on Brown Podcast brought to you by Garrett Bush and Jeff Lloyd. <laughs> Make sure you go ahead and, and, and you follow us at GBush91 at Jeff underscore underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We 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 tweeting and, and kind of you know teetering around you know 600. We need to get to a thousand. That's what we need to do. Help us get to that goal of a thousand. If you are uh, downloading the podcast, make sure you continue to download that podcast and continue to make the Locked on the Browns your first stop of the day. Uh, you know, Jeff, we talked a little bit about what's going on the offensive side of the football. Let's get to the defensive side of the football here. Uh, you know, there's the Browns have done some things to get the defensive side of the football where they needed to do. Uh, Clowney is back. We we love that move. You locked up Denzel Ward. Love that move. Uh, you know, second year of JOK, second year of Newsom. Newsom's playing in the slot a little bit, but there are some question marks. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. You know, some of these defensive tackles are going off the board. Um, some of these defensive tackles are, are out here uh, moving around. Uh, now, we look at, you know, Dominican Sue. I think Mary Kay reported that the Browns are kind of out on that as well. So when I'm looking at, at the position and the guy I'm looking at most is Taven Bryant. That is one of the free agents that they did bring in. Um, he's uh, 26 years old uh, from Jacksonville. He's been there his whole entire career. Um, when you look at his production, you haven't seen much. Um, you know, only five and a half sacks. Uh, his whole entire career there. Uh, last year uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, he played in 15 games, didn't start any of those games. The year prior to that, he started eight games. And in, 20, in 2019, he started eight games. So 
you got two things here. You got a guy who does not have much production, a guy who's not a frontline starter um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the crazy thing about it is it's the Jaguars. The Jaguars are are, are not some world beater uh, full of guys. I mean, they don't have Reggie White and, and Lawrence Taylor he had to beat out. I mean, it's Jacksonville. So if you're telling me you can't start any games, you don't have a production in Jacksonville, I'm looking at you like, okay, well, can I really count on you to be a, 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 a penciled-in starter? And, and so for me, that's more of a, a question mark than anything still in the defensive tackle room because I still don't know what Jordan Elliott is going to give me. I still don't know what Togiai is. I still don't know what Sheldon Day is. All these guys are kind of vying for those positions. That's why um, Perrion Winfrey, to me, is one of the more, more important uh, you know, guys after the third round. Usually you don't trust guys after the third round to come in and play significant minutes for you. But in this case, I think it might be a situation because, to me, I don't know what Taven Bryan is. I don't know if he's a playmaker. I don't know if he's a difference maker. He may just be, he played for the Jaguars, but he may be a Jag himself, just a guy. That was a nice slip in there. I like that. That was good. That was good. Um, I'm going to stick at the position. Look, yesterday we highlighted the linebacker room. We couldn't be more excited about it. The cornerback room could not be more excited about it. We think the safety room, Grant Delpit here, uh, will, will year three, but technically year two on the field, more confident now uh, as he came back from the Achilles injury. You figure John Johnson the third going to be a little bit more comfortable this year in the secondary, second year within the system here. Um, defensive end room, I love the fact that, you know, Clowney comes back. You have the two rookies uh, in <clears> – <throat> Certainly in Isaiah Thomas uh, and the other uh, the other edge rookie you brought in here. But the other, you know, I love the fact that you're not going to put too much on these guys because the fact that you have Chase Winovich, who you know has a reputation as being a nickel and dime third down pass rusher. So you're not going to have to put too much on these guys right away. It is that defensive tackle room. Um, and I think we all kind of thought, uh, you know, maybe Akeem Hicks would be the guy. Um, the deal, if it's up to $10 million, this is where the Browns maybe have an, an issue. Uh, a guy like that, uh, he's going to turn 33 this, uh, 32 this fall, Akeem Hicks. The Browns last year brought in Malik Jackson, and what they got was the one year past the prime in Malik Jackson. So they paid for everything Malik Jackson had done in the NFL, but not necessarily did anything for them. So this is a slippery slope. The Browns would like to bring in a better defensive tackle, but they don't want to pay what overvalue it. Plus, they also have a little bit of a you know a heartbreak, you know a little bit of broken heart for Malik Jackson. They went that route last year. The money they paid certainly didn't work into the production of Malik Jackson. I got to look at Tommy Togiai. Um, every one of these guys, Jordan Elliott, when he was drafted, the reputation was as a pass rusher. Um, Tavon Bryant, we're not really sure what Tavon Bryant is, but I guess it's maybe a little bit more pass rusher than run stopper. Um, you know, and then the, with the, you know the other guys within that room, nobody's really got the reputation of who's going to be the run stopper. Even Perrion Winfrey, who they drafted, what highlighted everybody and got everybody excited down in Mobile, Alabama, was his pass rushing skills. So I got to look at Tommy Togiai. Tommy Togiai coming out of Ohio State. Everybody thought it was a year too early for Tommy Togiai to declare. Probably should have been a part of the 2022 draft class. Maybe would have went a lot of higher. Hey, look, everybody makes their decisions in life. Um, he is the only one you're going to look at and had tape at Ohio State where he had some significant impact in defending the run. Granted, this is all an unknown, very similar to Nick Harris. Until we see you truly do it, we can think all the positive thoughts we want, but the proof is in the pudding. And with Tommy Togiai, I think Togiai, it's an extremely 
extremely important thing to put on him. Fifth round pick from 2021. You hate to do this to a guy and that he's really barely played. But looking at the way that this room is currently constructed, and keep in mind, it could change. They could find that veteran that maybe fits this mix. Somebody has to have some sort of pedigree in being able to push back the center or soaking up the double team so we can make sure Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa can do that their job. Almost every defensive tackle on this roster is under 300 pounds. You need some sort of guy. And I was, everybody knows Pete Smith and I, good friends, great friends. We talk all the time. And we got into it a little bit yesterday on, you know, uh, you know, on Twitter. And his thing is third and goal from the one. Who, who's going on the field for the Browns at the defensive tackle position? Who's going to try and stop Najee Harris at 240 pounds in the hole and make sure he doesn't score a decisive touchdown in a crucial ball game? Right now, we don't really have that answer. But if I have to, I have to put somebody out there. And the only one that looks like he could be the guy to make that happen is Tommy Togiai. This is what he did at Ohio State. He was part of a great defensive line. He knows how to play with great players around him. It's a big, big year for Tommy Togiai. And if he can be, and I'm not saying, look, he's got to be a pro ball player. He ain't got to be a star. He doesn't even have to play in nickel and dime, but he's got to be able to play in first and 10. He's got to be able to play in second and six, second and five. He's got to be able to play in goal line. But Tommy Togiai needs to be the guy with that defensive tackle room. Basically, the guy that carries the toolboxes, the guy that moves around the heavy equipment and says, yeah, I'll take on 700 pounds of two dudes trying to push me backwards because that is what my assignment to do. For me, it's Tommy Togi. I need him to step up in a major way. Definitely agree. I, I, I like him. I like his pedigree better than all the other guys. Um, when you turned on his film from uh, from Ohio State, he had uh, the, the the ability to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And, and I'm a guy, I, I don't like guys that just, you know, jumping on piles. We can't do that. Or, or guys not getting no <laughs> penetration. Guys getting washed down the line, bro. Listen, you're pulling your pads up the whole game. I need some production. At least, hey, back then, they used to say back in the day, get in there. Get in there. Like, <laughs> they didn't tell you how you was going to get back. Just get in the backfield. I just need you to be back there. If you're going to give up the rep, just ask off the field. We'll get somebody else out there. <laughs> right. Hey, you standing up, bro. Hey, you. I, all I see you, you 10 yards down the field trying to hustle it out. No, our plays are behind the line of scrimmage. So I think I like his pedigree. But the Browns got to find something. I, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little disturbed about this D-tackle right now. I am. I think there's a certain way you look at this from the Cleveland perspective. You know, look, at the Watson suspension, whatever could come with that, is notwithstanding. What they're looking at is we are a team that's going to be a lot more effective on offense. We are going to score a lot more points. So stopping critical run plays, the Browns are hoping that that's not the issue. What they're thinking about is, yo, we're going to be up 10 in the fourth quarter. So I can put out Miles Garrett. I can put out Jadavian Clowney. I can put Perry and Winfrey. I can put Isaiah Thomas. I can put Chase Winovich. I can put all these guys out there and get after the quarterback. That's all well and good in theory. But until that happens, you, you, you know, and again, you want your roster to be perfect, but you go into this process of understanding that is not a realistic thing to have. It's not a realistic dream. You'd love for it to happen, but anything, and even still, if it is perfectly constructed, guess what? One high ankle sprain changes the outlook of any positional room right off the bat. So some guys here, obviously the defensive side of the ball here for us, is looking at the defensive tackle position because until somebody comes in here with a bigger name, with a bigger reputation, with a bigger overall body of work that's proven to have done it on the interior, 
Somebody's got to step up. Maybe it's a Taven Bryant finally finding something in his NFL career. Maybe it's Tommy Togia in year two making a huge step. We're hoping we need it um, because right now that looks like out of any positional group on this entire roster, that is certainly the one where you, you would go, mm-hmm, 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 oh, uh, oh. So that's an issue. We need something there. We are going to get to, as I said, a not-so-happy section of blast from the past here. Um, look, this has been an organization, um, and you don't get to where they've been since 1999 without a slew of moves that basically blow up in your face. We're going to highlight a couple of those moves here in a second. Garrett Bush at GBush91, Jeff Lloyd at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, your latest Lockdown Browns. Appreciate everybody who makes us your first listen. The fine folks over at Bet Online, our partners at Bet Online, continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA playoffs, which is now the finals, kids, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use the mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Locked on Browns, your daily Browns podcast here on YouTube. Uh, also, wherever you can find your, uh, you download your podcast, Garrett Bush, Jeff Lloyd in the building. Hey, we were talking about this a little bit off the air, and I thought it was a great opportunity to bring this up because, you know, when you're dealing with the Cleveland Browns and how terrible they, their past has been, especially since 1999, you always get a couple of guys who who come across and, and you you don't have any ball players, right? So you're so excited the second you see somebody that looked like an athlete. If they even got a couple of muscles, if they look like they, they could throw the ball a little bit, maybe they were just fast in one direction. We we would jump up and down. Oh, we got a guy here. We got a mess. This guy's going to be it. Man, we didn't have so many busts. I, I think uh, – so we're going to talk about it in this section. Guys who kind of catfished us. Guys who – you meet somebody on the internet a little bit, and you'd be like, you don't look – you don't look nothing like your pictures. These pictures ain't it. You know, Jeff, come on. I show up to the dinner, and and, and, and she don't look – she look more like her brother than, than when she looked like her. I mean, I don't know who this is. I, I would say that the guy that really got me, and this is kind of obvious too, I think, I, I you know, I felt, I felt for the Manziel scam. Scamzel got me. Johnny Scamzel, this dude, uh, we was talking to Joe Thomas the other day. Joe Thomas was like, yeah, Johnny, he'd be, in the, he'd be in the huddle. He couldn't even call out the whole formation. He'd be like, left, right, zoom, 25 stack option, whatever. Just, yeah, I, I don't know the rest. Y'all know the rest. Joe, what is the next? On two. On two. <laughs> yeah, great. Come on out here. He said, bro, this dude, no preparation, uh, no film study. Was in the club late night, like all all of the all of the the cliches that media members talk about. Not ready to play, not prepared, not being the first one in, last one out. He he's not a leader of man. All the cliches. Little did we know that it was all facts, and this will never be done again. Johnny Man, this will never happen again. There's some rules that are never broken and can never be duplicated. Johnny Manziel went to Las Vegas during a game week and had a disguise on just to get his party. He had a full fake mustache, Billy Manziel. And I cannot believe, like I said, that was a real thing. 
even to this day, he said, oh, bro, I ain't got it. I ain't got it in me. I just want to, I, I just want to smoke and drink and I, y'all ain't serious about no football. And he, I mean, boy, he had every, he had a lot of me. I would be like, man, put him in the game. Let's see what we could do. Boy, was our catfish doing that one. Uh, that was terrible. I do not want to go on a second date with Billy Manziel. Who you got, Jeff? I'm just going to go with here with Johnny Menzel. Johnny Menzel, like you remember back in the day, the you know N1 mixtapes, all these guys out there doing. Johnny Menzel was that type of quarterback. <laughs> what he did at Texas A&M, but there was zero structure to it. Like what everybody loved about Johnny Menzel was he broke the pocket. Everything went helter-skelter, and he made crazy-ish happen. There was no doubt about it. But what you saw – when you tried to get him into the NFL was okay, well, this is how we do it. Here's the, and it was like, well, why are we calling the play? Why don't we just throw some guys into formation and I'll see what happens. No, 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 son. That's not how it works here. Okay. We're not, we're not going to do it this way. You have a hall of fame left tackle. We're going to call a play with structure here. You're not going to have to break the tackle. You're not going to have to break the pocket. They're not coming. So once you took this guy who was basically the greatest street football player that ever existed and tried to put him in the structure of professional football. Now, keep in mind, obviously, Johnny didn't do himself any favors, and nobody loved himself, Johnny Manziel, more than Johnny Manziel. Nobody in this world, once he became a household name, and yep. now, look, we're talking about a little tiny dude, but Johnny Manziel, who was under six foot tall, once he won that Heisman, Johnny Manziel was now six foot seven because his head grew another nine inches. Um, you know, think of actually funny enough, um, Johnny Manziel's ex-wife just had a baby with Nick Cannon. So if anybody was keeping up with oh, how the really? Manziel, oh I, yes, oh, indeed. I didn't even know. Yes. That was yeah. The baby? Oh, God. yeah. Well, he remember he had a meltdown on social media a few months ago and it was a, uh, there was a, uh, a, a baby, uh, shower for, um, Nick Cannon and Johnny Manziel's ex-wife, but all seriousness, uh, Johnny Manziel, hope your life's together. You're doing the best you can. Uh, but yeah, you certainly built this system and duped everybody in the process. Let's wreck this league. No, you meant let's wreck this club is what Johnny Manziel meant <laughs> for me. Kenny Britt. So I'm going to go back to when I started covering this team. Obviously, all signs were turning in 2017. The Browns held the number one overall pick. There was talk of quarterbacks. Certainly could have gone a different way. Uh, actually ended up with the quarterback who went number 12 or, uh, overall in the 2017 NFL draft and Deshaun Watson now here in the building. Kenny Britt, four years, $32.5 million. At the time, a bad Rams team. Kenny Britt, 1,000 yards. I knew him well from him playing here in New Jersey at Rutgers. Six foot three, long strider, was very, very good in the vertical game. There was issues at Rutgers. There was issues in Tennessee when they made him the first, uh, you made him the 30th overall pick in the first round in 2009. Kenny Britt, Kenny Britt had a two cent head. Kenny Britt, if there was a way, if there was a black and white car with lights on, Kenny Britt would probably be the guy who reached in the pocket, pulled the split out, spliff out, and lit it up and said, ooh, maybe they won't notice. No, nah, probably going to notice. Um, he gave zero effort. Um, took a player like Corey Coleman down with him because it was like, oh, well, you're when you're in the club. You need a wingman, so I'm going to take the young kid. He's good looking. He's got lots of money, too. We got And it was just an absolute mess. I still remember they were down in Houston uh, in 2017 for a road game. Uh, neither guy was going to play. But somehow they got in so much trouble at a road game in Houston, the Browns sent them home. A number one, if they weren't playing, what did you bring them for? I mean, like, why did you take them? Like, thanks for the free trip to Houston. We're going to go clubbing. And obviously, Corey Coleman was from Texas. 
but Kenny Britt, uh, and he lasted, I believe it was till December of 2017. This was a four year, $32.5 million contract. He didn't even make it to Christmas of year one on that contract. Didn't give a crap, uh, gave zero effort. Um, and if he had any inkling, uh, what did you think? The team was going to be good? It was obvious the team was not going to be that good. You signed the deal. You were supposed to be one of the main reasons. Maybe the team would win a game or two, would show a little bit of promise. Absolute farce. Kenny Britt you know, stole a whole bunch of money in his time in the NFL. Um, but that, for me, was the one. Because you thought, all right, here's this. You got him. You got Corey Coleman. And there we are, three, four weeks into 2017, I'm watching Deshaun Kaiser throw balls to. I didn't even know who the guy, who the hell is that? I mean, you had no idea, but you had it set up where you thought you maybe had a legitimate NFL receiver in Kenny Britt. You had a first round pick you thought could play some ball in Corey Coleman. Just an absolute wash. But Kenny Britt for me was the one in my coverage with the Browns where it was just like, dude, j just go away. You don't even want to hear the name anymore. And then Josh Gordon came back later that year. They're doing a drill, and you saw the effort. They threw a ball to Josh Gordon, he just punted it. He was literally a receiver. He just punted it. Kenny Britt took two steps. They threw the ball, and he just turned to the left and let the ball sail away. It was like, all right, dude, so you, 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 you're going to give us absolutely nothing. For me, Kenny Britt, it was an absolute joke. God bless your soul for covering that team back then. Oh, my God. Just seeing, hearing some of the names, I get, like, PTSD. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I just want to bless your soul, Jeff, for what you had to endure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and as everybody knows who was in the beginning of the infancy of the show, um, basically what it was is we did a Friday pregame show. The Browns are going to get their butts kicked this weekend by this team, and here's how it's going to happen. Sunday was – I mean, Monday's show was the Browns got their butts kicked this weekend, and we told you how this was going to happen. Then it was NFL draft, NFL draft, NFL draft, rinse, repeat. Now the Browns are going to get their butts kicked again. Um, but, you know, look, obviously times have changed, and it's a great time here now. Uh, Garrett Bush now on with me as co-host here of Locked On Browns, available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you're uh, subscribed, following, five-star ratings, written reviews, now available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, keep it up in the chat or the comments, the likes, please. Uh, you know, the more you come here, the more others come here. And it's not like you got to get into it with anybody. We just want to draw as many eyes as possible as we try to give you the best Cleveland Browns coverage we can. Make sure you're checking out Garrett at the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Make sure you're checking out the Barbershop. Always Saturday mornings this time of year. Summer with maybe some more days off. Maybe catch Garrett a little bit more often. Over on 92.3 The Fan, make sure you're following at GBush91. Myself, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, at Locked On Browns. Follow back account on Twitter. DMs are always open. Questions, ideas, comments. Hit us up with anything. Had some fun here today. Question marks, concerns on offense. Flipped it up to defense and some of the biggest Cleveland flops that me and Garrett can remember. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.